text if you have your Bible. You can turn to me to chapter to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're we'll reading verses 12 through 20. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20. You can follow along on the screen behind me, or you can follow in your own personal Bible. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so is it with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. What if the whole body were an eye? Where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Why are you here this morning? I mean, why, why, why are you here today? Is it the coffee? We got pretty good coffee around here. Maybe the donuts? Can't beat a good donut. I mean, maybe this is a good way to kill time till later this afternoon. You know, kill a couple hours, see some people. It's a good, it's a good way to do that. Why are you here? Maybe you're here for practical reasons. Maybe you're here out of duty. You know, that's what good folk do, right? They go to church. I mean, you can't cut your grass on Sunday morning, so you got to do something. So maybe you're here out of duty. Maybe you're here out of curiosity. Maybe you're curious about this whole God thing. By the way, that's always one of my favorite reasons when folks come to church is for curiosity. I like the curious, the ones who want to know more or have questions. I love that conversation. Maybe you're here to worship. There's as many reasons why we're here this morning as there are folks who are here this morning. We all bring our individual reasons and our individual causes to come to worship this morning. Why are you at St. Matthew's? This is the South. We got a church in every corner. Some of y'all drove past churches to come here. Why are you here at St. Matthew's this morning? It's not, not for the preaching. Because Lord knows there's better preachers around here than me. Amen. Amen. That's, that's the one thing we can all agree on is that right there. It, it, it might be for the music because you won't find many better worship leaders than Ants and Jordan. Maybe you're here because this is where you're from. This is the church you grew up in. Church you married in. Church you chose to come to. Maybe, maybe it's the closest church. I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the reason why my family, uh, the, the Bigner slash Woodalls of Pike County, are Methodist. My granny married my grandpa in the, 2000, in the 1910s. 
we were on the, the Methodist church is on the south side of the creek. And when the creek flooded, it was hard to get across the creek. They grew up at Montgomery Baptist Church out in Bogachetta. And when they moved, when she married Robert Bigner, he lived south of the creek. And when the creek flooded during the winter, it was hard to get to church. So they went to the Methodist church because it was on the south side of the creek, not the north side of the creek. That's the theological reason why I grew up Methodist. Because it was on the south side of the creek 100 years ago. Why are you here? We are, today is the last Sunday in a series we've been preaching since uh, the middle of January called This I Believe. We've been talking in these last few weeks about our core doctrine and our core beliefs as a church. What do we believe here? We've talked of some great and glorious things. We've talked about creation, how we're all made in the image of God. We've talked about uh, our sin and our need for salvation. We've talked about, and I'm going to start preaching now, we've talked about the reality of the centrality of Jesus Christ and that our church is built upon Jesus. Our church is not built upon denominations or denominational conflict. Our church is built upon Jesus. And if we're not building our church on Jesus, then we built on the wrong thing. Because the, rain, the wind comes and the rain falls and that is built on, the, on, on anything but Jesus, we'll be blown away. So Jesus Christ is what it's about. We've talked about that. We have talked about the importance of, uh, of prayer and of the sacraments and those type of things. Well, today we're talking about church. Why does church matter? What is this about? Why are we here? Why do we gather? Why do we do these things? Why does this matter? So we're going to talk about that today in our sermon. And we're going to talk about that by looking at the church in Corinth. One of my favorite books on pastoral care that I read in seminary was entitled, Everyone is normal till you get to know them. And I love that concept because you feel like today you're the only family who's crazy. Spoiler alert, you're not. Everybody's crazy. Everybody's got something in their past they don't want people to know or somebody they don't want people to know. It's kind of like um, I love The Office. I don't know how many of y'all love The Office, but I heard somebody say one time, if you don't know who the Michael Scott is in your office place, it's you. If you don't know who the crazy person is in your family, just saying. Corinth, if you think churches today have conflict, go read, in, go read 1 Corinthians. Go read about the church in Corinth. There may have been no church in church history that had more conflict than Corinth. It starts off in, in chapter 1 where they're arguing, get this, y- y- this is crazy, y'all aren't going to believe it, that folks did this. Back, some people, some people like to argue over who their favorite preacher was. Isn't that crazy? Who would ever do that? But in Corinth they're saying, Paul writes them and says, some of y'all say I'm of Apollos. Some of y'all say I'm of Cephas. Some of y'all say I'm of this person. Some of y'all say I'm of Jesus. Paul says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of y'all. Well, except for so-and-so or such-and-such. And And then he winds up saying, I don't remember. I may have baptized all y'all. I'm not sure. So they're arguing in Corinthians about who their favorite preacher was. 
They're arguing later in 1 Corinthians about leadership and sin. They're arguing later about who should speak and when they should speak and how they should speak. And you see in chapter 12 and in chapter 14, you see them arguing over who is the holiest. You're saying, they're arguing over who is God's favorite. Who has the best gifts? Who's the most spiritual? Who's, Who's top of the food chain? They're arguing. And so we see that. We see that in chapter 12. Chapter 12 is this beautiful chapter where, where, where we see this notion of the body. In chapter 12 ends. In chapter 12 it says this. They're arguing over this or that. And Paul says, now I want you to strive for even more excellent gifts. The end of chapter 12. Strive for even more excellent gifts. And then he says, at the end of chapter 12, he says, and now I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a clashing, clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I surrender all that I have and give my body over to the flames that I may brag, but have not love, I've accomplished nothing. If I give all that I have to the poor and have faith to move mountains, but have not love, I've gained nothing. Now I'll show you a more excellent way. The world does not need more spiritually superior people. We have an abundance of that. What the world needs desperately, and I'm convinced the only thing that will truly change the world is when we love with the radical love of Jesus Christ. No one ever lost an argument and converted. And us yelling about it on Facebook won't save a soul. It'll just make us angry and stir us up And instead of loving folk, you know, it's kind of hard to love folk when we're mad at them all the time, isn't it? And now, friends, I will show you a more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've accomplished nothing. I'd love to say that's my statement, but that's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. So Paul, in the midst of the conflict that these people are having there in Corinth, he's pulling them back over and over and over and over again. You want to argue about who's the most spiritual. You want to argue about who's the best preacher. You want to argue about who's doing this and who's doing that. And Paul says, guys, guys, knock it off. It's not about that. If we aren't radically living out the love of Jesus Christ that's been shed abroad in our heart, we're just wasting our times. And so if we're here, y'all, if we're here for any other reason than to experience the living God through Jesus Christ, then we're wasting our time this morning, y'all. You could be at home taking a nap right now. You could be beating folks to the restaurant. You could be doing a lot of things. But the reason why we're here, y'all, is a divine encounter with a holy God. 
We are called to encounter Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that reconciles us to the Father. So we see in 1 Corinthians why we have church. We see, I think, I, think, I think we have church. I think church matters for two primary reasons. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but two primary. One is this. The, the Lord's given us a mission, y'all. He's given us a mission. He told us in Matthew 28, before he ascended, he said, Go forth into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's giving us our marching orders. Um, Holly's been on the road. Holly and our schedules the last couple months have been pretty crazy with all of our family goings on. So I don't know half the time if I'm coming or going. And the most confusing thing that I have to do in my life right now is figure out what medicine to give the dog. My dogs take more medicine than I do. Now, that's because my dogs actually go to the doctor and I don't. So that's probably the reason why. But Holly has this system on the calendar to know what medicine to give the dog. And y'all, I promise you, she's explained it 15 times. It doesn't matter. I don't get what she's telling me. So every day I got to call her and say, hey, what do I give the dogs today? And she's got to say, what's the calendar saying? I'll say it says this. She says, well, do this. I'm like, I don't understand your system. I just... The dogs may know better than me what they're supposed to take. So I spend most of my mornings trying to figure out how many of the five medicines my dog takes to give them. It's just ridiculous. If any of y'all want to come give my dogs medicine in the morning, beat me after the service. I'll let you. But I know that my most important task isn't, isn't to get Thomas dressed. He's got it. I got to give the dogs her medicine. So she's gotten to where she has left me an explicit set of directions, like she's talking to a two-year-old so that I will know what to do when she's not there and to give what medicine to what dog because I just can't figure it out. Jesus Christ, before he went to the cross on the Last Supper, said a new commandment I give you to love one another. By this they will know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for each other. And then, before he ascended into heaven, he told the church, go forth and make disciples. So he's given us two responsibilities in this world right now. One is to love radically as he loves. He says, they will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. He says, that's how they will know that we are his. Not by our bumper stickers. Not by the music we listen to, not by the podcast we listen to, not by the t-shirts we wear, not by our Facebook posts. They will know we are his disciples by our love. They will know we are his disciples by our love. That's what this world needs, y'all. That's what this world's desperate for. That's what this world's pleading for. And that's what Jesus has us here to do, is to love in that way. And then he says this, go into all the world. I love how it says it in, in Acts. In Acts, Jesus says this. Luke records this. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world and make disciples. I love that little fourfold command. Jerusalem, that's your backyard. Y'all, there's folk on your street that don't know Jesus. Y'all, there's folk in your work that don't know Jesus. There's folk every day in our day-to-day -day life. You know, and by the way, let me, let, me, let me say this. If you say, no, nah, preacher, all my friends are Christian, then you need to find some new friends. Because how will they know if we don't tell them?
If we spend all of our life surrounded by Christians, how are we going to proclaim the gospel with our words? If we're just talking to each other, we've got to be talking to folks that don't know Jesus. Jerusalem, that's your backyard. Judea, that's your, that's your greater area. There's work in Mississippi for us to do. Samaria, uh, that's, 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 the, that's the hard one. That's the folks that we don't like. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. So Jesus specifically says, Jerusalem, the folks in your neighborhood. Judea, in your area. Samaria, the folks you don't like, you got to tell them about Jesus. In the ends of the world. We got a job, y'all. We got a job. We're supposed to love like he loves and proclaim his lordship for all the world to hear it, y'all. And that's kind of hard. I can't even feed my dogs right, as we already established. Much less do this. A long time ago, many, many, many moons ago, when I lived in Ripley, I used to run. I used to be a runner. I was one of those crazy people. And the first 5K I ever ran was at a 5K in Oxford. And I don't know how many of y'all know the Oxford geography. Oxford's nothing but hills and hollows. It's all that town is. And so I was doing a 5K in Oxford. And that stupid thing was up and down the entire time. And so I'm running for five minutes. And I want to throw up and die. I want to throw up, pass out on the road, and get drug off the course. That was what I wanted to do. That's what I had in me. But I had this group of folk running with me. And they encouraged me. And they pushed me lovingly. They kept up with me. And because of that, I was able to run the race. Now, I don't break any records, but I finished it. For the first five to ten minutes of that race, I wanted to throw up and die. But the folks I was running with wouldn't let me. In your life, there's going to be times you want to throw up and die. You're done. You're done. Life's hard. You're done. You're just done. You're tired of it. You're done. And that's when you need folks beside you who believe in you, who love you, who pray for you, who encourage you, who are your family. Can the I say, well, because I'm not an ear, the body has no use of me? And can the head say, because I'm not this, the body has no use of me? No, the body needs eyes and heads and ears. The body needs kidneys and livers and things you don't even see. Without all that, the body can't function. The body needs every part. So yes, without a body, the kidney has no function. Last year, when I had my kidney removed because of the cancer, my wife's only question was, well, can I see it when you take it out? That's all she wanted to see. The, the doctor said, well, we're not going to biopsy because we're just taking it out. So it's just going to look kind of fatty and gross. She said, well, can you send me a picture? He said, I guess I can. So, But that kidney, once out of the body, had no purpose anymore. It was done. 
It had fulfilled its purpose. It was out of the body. It had no use. The kidney, without the body, doesn't function. It needs the body for it to have a function. And likewise, the body, without the kidney, is diminished. So I've been told my football career is over. And I was hoping I'd get drafted this year. I mean, I got four years of eligibility left. I mean, I figured somebody would sign me. So the kidney, apart from the body, doesn't function. And the body, without the kidney, is diminished. That's why church, that's why church, you need the church, y'all. You need the church. We, we, we need each other. We do. Because there's going to come times we can't do it, y'all. There's going to come times when we can't make it. There's going to come times when we're not strong enough. There's going to come times when we're not good enough. There's going to come times when we just can't do it, and we're tired, and we're broken, and we just need one person to believe in us. We need one person to care. We need one person to text us. We need each other. We need the church. As the kidney needs the body to function, so do you. So do I. So do we need the church. And not just Sunday morning worship, y'all, the totality of it. Because here's the reality. I've said this to you before. Well, I've said this to traditional. I'm assuming I'll say it to you before. If not, I'm saying it right now. If you're only, and this is not in guests, guests, we're so honored that you're here with us. So I'm not speaking to guests. This is your first Sunday here or second or whatever. Like, we're so honored that you've graced us with your presence. But those of us that are members or been here for a while, if your only connection to St. Matthew's is Sunday morning worship, in time you will leave. Because we're going to get it wrong. I'm going to say something stupid in a sermon. The building's going to be too hot or the building's going to be too cold. The music's going to be too loud. The music's going to be too quiet. We're, we're going to mess up. I promise you that. We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. And if your only connection here to this church is the Sunday morning worship experience, then in time we're going to offend you or we're going to get it wrong or we're going to do something stupid. It's going to happen because we're human. But, y'all, it's when we dig in and find our place. That's when we find our place in the body. The kidney functions by doing its job. We, functions as, we function as Christians when we are faithful to our calling. What was the old quote from Kennedy in his inauguration? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Or as the great theologians, the 1980s hair metal band Tesla once said, it's not what you get, it's what you give. That's the church, y'all. The, we need the body. But in the same token, the body needs you. The body needs you. Those blessing bags aren't going to just magically make themselves. But it took adults going to Walmart and buying this stuff. It took kids packing it. The Honduras mission team isn't going to magically go by itself. But you bought chickens, and you helped out, and you prayed, and Honduras folk volunteered. 
Children's Sunday school doesn't just magically get taught, but you do it. Floors don't get just magically swept. Coffee doesn't get magically made. These things don't magically happen, but you do it. It isn't just that you need the body, but that the body needs you. The body needs you. You matter. Your voice matters. Your presence matters. Your smile matters. Your service matters. Your laughter matters. Your consistency matters. You need the church. But the church needs you. We need each other. We need each other. That's family. You know, with all of my family stuff, I haven't been in here in a while, so some of y'all know, some of y'all don't know. My family's been through a little bit of a challenging time, and Holly's has recently with parents getting older, and we're figuring a lot of stuff out, and it's not easy. There's been some weeks when I've been with my mom and daddy. It's not been fun. If you ever had, if you ever have, ever have had older parents, you know what I'm talking about. It's not easy. It's definitely not glamorous. It's definitely not fun. But every time I've left my parents' home these last few months, in the midst of some not pleasant experiences, I've walked away loving them more. Not because they'd done anything for me, but through my ability to serve them, I was reminded of how much I love them. When my wife and I figure out how to coordinate our schedules and we look after each other's parents these difficult days, you know what that makes me do? Love my wife even more. When we give, when we give, when we move from just receiving and move to giving, then we find life. We were talking about this Wednesday night in Bible study, and Sudi and I were talking about it on the way into church this morning. The change we've got to make with our worship is this. We are not the audience of worship. We're the participants. God is the object of our worship. Not me, not you, but God. Worship is not what I get from it. Worship is what I give to it. Now, in the, as St. Francis said, it's in the giving that we receive. So as we give, we do receive. But y'all, if I come to worship chasing an emotional high, I'm never going to get it. I'm not. Because cause y'all, because they can't nothing compete with coffee and peeps, okay? That's some good stuff. I'm going to get more energy out of that than anything. If I'm looking to worship for what I can get out of it, I will never be fulfilled. But if I look to worship, if I look to service, if I look to community, 
if I look to our family for what I can give to it, then I always find my purpose and I always find my fulfillment. So why church? As Paul tells us in Corinthians, it's not about what we get from it. It's about what we give to it. And y'all, the greatest gift we ever give, the greatest thing we ever give is not giving of our time to come worship, not giving of our tithe, it's not giving of our energy, but it's giving the totality of our heart to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the gift that matters. And that's the one that everything else flows from. So, frankly, the church is beneath Jesus. Because as we give it all to Jesus, we will naturally want to plug into his body. First, we start with Jesus. So today, I'll ask you the question I always like to ask you. How is it with your soul? Have you given your life to Jesus as Savior? Do you know him as Lord? If you haven't, y'all, today's the day to do it. Don't walk out of this place without knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Or if you're already a Christian, maybe you got saved years ago. Maybe you've been a Christian longer than you've been alive. Have you drifted away? Have you kind of got busy and focused on other things? That happens to all of us all the time, y'all. Today's a great day to start back over. And if you are a Christian, and he is your Lord. Have you truly put your effort into being part of this body? Have you truly been giving? Because, y'all, it's when we give, we receive. And when we do that, we find the life we have in Jesus. So today, as our service draws to a close in just a moment, how is it with your soul? May we have given Jesus our all in all. Let's pray.